Welcome to the PCS to Corporate America podcast from Cameron Brooks. Our mission here at Cameron Brooks is to help educate junior military officers about their transition options and to inspire veterans to transform their lives and their careers. Well, we've got Ben Carey, Space Force officer in our program for four months, went to Campbell Soup Company, Meredith Fry, Army Logistics Officer in the program for one month, went to Next Era Energy and Jack Thompson, Navy Info uh, Warfare Officer in the program for 16 months, went to Eurofin Scientific. So we're gonna do, we're gonna let them introduce themselves here before we get there. When we get to Q&A, you guys, and when you get, when you ask your question, really you can ask anything. Preparation, the conference, the follow-up interview process, best practices, expectations, the sky's the limit. You can ask these folks anything you want other than, you know, their salary, I guess. That would not be appropriate. But everything else is totally on the table. So, uh, so again, I'll lead with a few questions and I'll let them do some talking. And then I would love for those participants here on the call to uh, just unleash and uh, ask as many questions as you can. Okay, so we're going to go around the horn. I'm just going to introduce you in the way that you are in my screen. So, Ben, you know, tell it, you know, don't give me your tell me about yourself answer, although I know you're ready to do that. But how about like, you know, who are you? Where are you? What do you do in the military? And then what company are you going to go work for? So who are you? Where are you? What do you do in the military? And then and then uh, what company are you going to? Absolutely, Pete. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm Ben. Uh currently still in the Space Force. Uh, so I did go through the conference uh, while still being in the military. Um, it is doable. Um, I'm currently in Denver. It's downpouring. So if you hear the rain in the background, that's why it's like record rain this year. Um, but in the Space Force, I work for the National Reconnaissance Office at Buckley Space Force Base. Um, I'm out in like a month. And then throughout the conference, uh, I ended up deciding on going with Campbell's Soup Company as uh, an associate brand manager, and I'm really excited. Tell tell us very quickly what a, an associate brand manager does, or what you think it's called. You what you're trying to do? <laughs> yeah. So um, I like to think of it as like the spoke in the middle of the wheel. Um, if any of you all do project management, which in certain lenses, everyone does. And I think that's a good way to frame your answers throughout the conference. Um, essentially a project manager for a brand, uh, working with scientists, working with engineers, working with the marketing team, and then working with leadership uh, to carry out their message as well. So really exciting. Excellent. Welcome. Thanks, Ben. Okay, Meredith, will you go next? Who are you? Where are you? What'd you do in the military? And where are you going next? Absolutely. Hey, everybody. I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, my name is Meredith. I am currently still in the Army. I start terminal leave on Monday, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, I'm up here at Fort Drum, New York. I am a RE logistics officer. I'm in the sustainment brigade here and currently serving as the brigade adjutant right beside my brigade commander. Um, I decided to go with Nextera Energy. They are a clean energy utility in a state, great state of Florida. So I'll be heading to Juno Beach and I start there September 1st. And what will you do at Nextera, Meredith? I'm going to be their senior project manager. Meaning? <laughs> so I oversee day-to-day -day activities and I'm on their Florida Power and Light side, which is their home station, the largest utility service, not only in the world, but obviously the state of Florida as well. So I oversee day-to-day -day project development. I ensure timely completions, quality assurance. Um, I work with engineers. I'm like a, an XO and I have my hand in every pot, but I also have my SMEs uh, at my side that know exactly who to call, let's say, when maybe I have the lack of better words. Excellent. Congratulations. All right, Jack, uh, who are you? Where are you? What'd you do in the military or what are you doing in the military? And uh, where are you going? Yeah, uh, so nice to meet you guys, or nice to see everybody here. Uh, Jack Thompson, I am a Navy Cryptologic Warfare Officer in San Antonio, Texas right now. Uh, accepted a job with Eurofin Scientific as a project manager. Uh, I'm going to be starting out doing IT project management and kind of work my way around the company and kind of find a way to really learn the organization with working in a bunch of different organizations um, and hopefully at some point down the line run a lab. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm going, and um, going to Madison. Tell me what um, what Eurofin what does Eurofin Scientific do? So I'll be in the food and feed division, uh, which is a they do a lot of just laboratory food and feed testing. Like if you look at a label for any kind of food that's out there, 
um, the back of it with the nutrition facts, all of that is done privately. That's not done by a government organization. And so the Eurofins does that among other things. Many, many other things. But yeah, that's that's right. Huge $2 billion testing company. Congratulations, Jack. Happy for you. Excellent. Okay. So Jack, since you're since you're talking, we'll let you kick it off. So you were in the program for 16 months. So you you you've seen probably a few episodes of this version of the podcast or the webcast and uh and you came up to San Antonio or up, up to Fredericksburg uh, from San Antonio to our office. So you got a chance to meet the team. What do you, so I guess the point in all of that is you, um, you know, you, you had a good perspective. What was your biggest surprise about the conference? Something that you just didn't perhaps expect? Yeah. So coming from a cryptologic warfare background and majoring in physics, I saw a wide diversity of positions that I didn't necessarily see myself getting. Um, and it was, it was kind of enlightening, right? Because I, I, I had expected a bunch of like technical engineering and maybe some analysis jobs because that's kind of what I did. Um, but when I got to the point of seeing all the positions, I was kind of, you know, excited by the opportunities that were out there that Tamron Brooks saw, thought that would fit well with me. Um, and, and they ended up reading really cool things. It, so makes sense. I, you know, you know, I hear that a lot. Why do you, what, but I do want to hear from you, Jack. Why do you, hmm. Why do you think that the companies that you interview with that you were surprised about, why do you now that you now that you've interviewed with them, why do you think you were on them? Like what what gave us the freedom to to be able to show you those interviews? Yeah. So I, I mean I think that, you know, as a military leader, you you deal with a bunch of people every day. And so when you learn how to deal with people and communicate with people, that's a skill that, can, that translates to a lot of different positions and a lot of different organizations. And so just being able to convey that skill, that trait of learning new things and, and jumping into new environments quickly and adapting quickly, uh, that was kind of the skill that was the, the companies were looking for in that, um, and that you needed to kind of push across them throughout the interview. Yeah. One of the things I'd say a lot to military officers, because you know before people come to the conference, we talk a lot about career fields, like what do you want to do? Are you interested in team leadership, business analysis, et cetera? So we, you know, we end up talking a fair amount about that but what I've tried to do, especially here lately, is, you know, yeah, let's definitely understand what you're interested in and what your preferences are. But as Jack's saying, so much of the discovery occurs at the conference when you're evaluating culture and and fit and boss and team and promotional opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, I'm I encourage people like, yeah, let's definitely build develop a strategy for interviewing, but let's not go too far down that road because we don't want to start the power of comparison long before the conference ever starts. So I appreciate you saying that, Jack. I, I actually want to, I know I gave you all a bunch of questions, but I actually want to ask this of all three of you. So Meredith, why don't you, why don't you chime in? What about your biggest surprise of the conference? Sure. So I, I think this, the fact that, you know, we were never alone as candidates. You are inter interviewing individually and, and it's an individual process. You have your study groups, you have your, your, conference um team webinars like this but the weekend from that friday evening until tuesday you really are not alone you are constantly in that cameron study group room and that's something that i didn't expect to maybe spend so much time in there but even if it's just a quick check-in hey this is what i noticed in this meeting you know this interview and you were able to give me feedback guidance and what do you think about these questions and bouncing ideas off of one another it really calmed my nerves in the butterflies granted you still have them but being able to kind of conceptualize it and say okay this is kind of what they're looking for using that that feedback to set the conditions moving forward was really helpful for me personally and then you know caveat off what jack said i think you really hit the nail on the head if i were to do this on my own i could tell you i wouldn't have had any idea of those organizations and these companies i would have never thought to gone out and sought them out myself because I wouldn't have been confident in my skill set and qualities I bring to the table. You all really pull that out of us and you're able to really uh, set your sights on exactly what we bring to the table and how we can replicate that moving forward. So I really appreciated that. So I guess kind of two in one, I, I felt yeah. really uh, surrounded by a great team of people. I really appreciate you saying that. I think one of the biggest fears about the virtual conference, and listen, when it was, I was our biggest fear as well when we started doing that in April of twenty, um, was that we would lose the connection. And I, I do say, or I do think, it's harder to have the connection. It takes a little bit more of a deliberate 
um, initiative on your side as well to to make sure that you're in the Zoom rooms and study groups wherever we're at the conference. It was like, okay, everyone meet down here and here we are. And you know, it's almost like forced. Um, but I appreciate what you're saying. I do believe that if if you thrive being feeding off people and feeding, giving into people, certainly there there are mechanisms that we've developed through this technology that allow us to really do that. So that's great. Thank you. Okay, Ben, how about you? Biggest uh, biggest surprise uh, or thing that you weren't expecting perhaps from the conference? Yeah, absolutely. So I like what both Jack and Meredith said. Agree with 100% with both what they said. I would say the most surprised thing for me was um, how prepared you are going in that you don't think you are. Um, but subconsciously, all of those answers are in your brain. And it might seem overwhelming when you get your company literature just a few days before the conference, but you will all be very surprised that each interview, yes, very different companies and very different positions, but it just seemed to click the more you got those interview answers down to tailor those to each company and actually have a conversation and not sound uh, very scripted. Um, it, it just comes out natural and you guys don't understand the work you put in is paying off because I was a little scared before the conference, but it is reassuring um, me telling you, I think that um, it, it's there. It's in your brain. Trust it. I do want to ask you this because, you know, I we we ask for feedback from from people who attend the conference. So you guys know we asked you to give us some feedback and I've read through all the feedback I read through them at every from every conference, obviously. And one of the consistent things I hear is I wish there was more of an opportunity to better replicate the conversational interviewing. It's hard to do. It's hard to replicate that, in my opinion, because there's so many variables that a lot of times the mock interviews that you would do with me, for instance, before the conference is a little bit more canned and robotic. It's like, okay, tell me about yourself. Okay, I give you feedback. You know, okay, why are you getting out of the military? And sometimes it's a little bit of a dialogue, but it's just, it takes a lot of work and too many, it's a lot of variables to try to figure out how to really replicate so how did you make the leap, Ben, from some of the mock interviewing that we were doing before the conference to now you're in, you know, now you're in the interview and it's like, Ooh, this doesn't feel exactly the same. It's much more of a conversation. How did you make the leap? Yeah. So to be honest with you, like I, I just knew like the basis of my answers. I would take them from like paragraph mode to bullets before the conference. And then obviously working with your team, your study group helps a huge amount. Um, from there, I just kind of, I didn't memorize anything. I just got the ideas down in my brain. And then once you have those, as I said earlier, I think the biggest uh, step and the easiest thing to do is just to, you have it. Like subconsciously, you just have that in your brain. And when they ask questions, it just naturally comes out. Um, just practicing with even like I practice in front of like my dog and then I, <laughs> he doesn't like my answers but then I also practice like with my girlfriend my family like yeah. anyone it doesn't have to be your study group so I think Great. practice is key excellent love it okay Jack let me uh let me throw a different question at you um what wh can you name one thing that you did before the conference that you know, okay, so this, this question kind of lends to what Ben was saying. One thing that you know worked, helped you be more successful that you did before the conference that you brought with you that other people can use to be successful when they go to the conference. Yeah, so in my preparation with my study groups and things, I got rid of the notes like a month and a half before the conference. Okay. Uh, at that point, I had studied my accomplishments enough where I didn't need to look at them anymore. And then from that point, I was able to really get conversational and study group stuff. And then once we got the actual company literature, I had a strategy for how I was going to connect each of the companies um, based on things that I saw in their job descriptions and in their company descriptions. Um, and that was kind of the underlying fabric of what I was, of how I was tailoring my accomplishments. But in the end, it was going back to the same formulas and the same methods that, that I've been practicing with the study group for that. I do it, and you guys know I do this on every one of these. I want to plug the study group. Um, the two things I say about the study group, always and forever, is number one, they're hard to start now. So it's July 6th. If you're coming to the August conference, you're five plus weeks out. 
hopefully you're already in a study group. But if you're not in a study group, it's like, uh, I don't want to start a study group yet. I'm not ready. I need to be fully prepared before I actually join a study group. That's very counterintuitive, I know. But what I would encourage you to do is plug in now. Even if you're in the crawl phase of the crawl, walk, run phase of study groups, get into a group. There's accountability. There's value. There's repetition. There's practice. There's so many things that can that are positive about the group. The other thing I say about the study group, by the way, is when we are a week before the conference, it is glaringly obvious to most of the people on the Camera Rooks team who's in a group and who isn't. And those that are in a group are just always, and I know it's an absolute term, almost always, I would say always, more prepared than those that aren't. It's just such a forcing function that allows you to really get after it. So thank you. Okay, so Meredith, I'm going to ask you the negative version of the question I just asked Jack. Knowing what you know now, and I and your situation is unique because you you weren't in the program for all that long. So knowing what you know now, what do you think you wish you? I mean, it worked. Obviously, you were successful. What would you have done differently before the conference? You know, knowing what you know now. Absolutely, it's a great question. Um, for me. Yeah, I had a month to get my act together. It was quite literally, I got accepted May 5th and we hit the I hit the ground running as soon as I got the acceptance from Rob Davis and it was great. Um, something I wish I had done, it, just like you said, uh, I joined a study group and I felt that I needed to be perfect in front of them. And that just wasn't the case. They were so understanding. They welcomed me with open arms. They said, hey, listen, just get some reps and sets in. Like, just practice. Right. And I was a little bit intimidated, especially because they had been working together, some of them for six plus months. And I was the only one I, I have, I said, hey, I got three weeks. And I'm sitting there trying to pick their braids. What would you all do? What would you guys say in this situation? But I had to stop. And I, I wish I just kind of trusted my gut more gone with that. Ultimately, when push came to shove, that's exactly what I did do. And uh, I think when it came to the job, this is more job specific. I had some companies that were big name companies. You know, you saw on there like Shark Ninja, some marketing positions that may have been open understanding their role a bit more practicing their questions i wish i had paid more attention to how i asked the questions to those companies um maybe not just the marketing company alone but as a whole i knew that was something that i kept saying okay well i think i know what this is but i'm not sure how to ask that question so i think tailoring it and just practice 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 writing those questions out running by the advisors that you have in front of you your study group um there's no stupid question there's only questions that aren't asked so highly recommend just working with the questions. That's something that you struggle with. So I want to weigh in on that. Thank you. So I want to weigh in on that. In the way that I want to give you the practical application of what she just said, the way you can do that is twofold. Number one is in your profile right now under, uh, there's, a, there's a tab under DPP called additional resources, job descriptions, et cetera. Like there are roughly 20 different job descriptions in there. All of them are real. They're they're fictitious because I changed the names and company names and people name. But other than that, they're exactly what previous candidates got at conferences. So there are job descriptions available to you right now that you can start to use. On for the U August folks, on August second, I'm going to do a, a webcast similar to this where I teach the group how to take an information sheet, break it down, and create a game plan for every one of the interviews. And one of the things I do on that as I spend a painstakingly long amount of time teaching you how to ask questions. I want to triple down on what Meredith just said. On August 2nd, on that webcast, what I'd love for you to do is be there live and then watch that question asking session over and over and over again so you can practice how to ask effective questions. The reason you ask questions at the conference is to demonstrate your interest in the position. And the more the company is convinced that you can solve their problem, that sounds familiar, right? I said that earlier. The more you're, they're convinced you can solve their problem and you're going to do that by convincing them you're interested, the more they're going to be interested in solving your problem. And so the better questions you ask, I promise you, the better you're going to do at the career conference. It's, it's unfortunate the amount of people that come to the conference not quite ready to do that effectively and I feel like sometimes people miss out. I'm not suggesting you did, Meredith. You obviously didn't because you figured it out. Um, but some people do. And so that's just some advice that I want to give to what she said, because I think that is something that can really work. Okay, Ben, I want to ask you the exact same question. All right. So knowing what you know now, what do you feel like you should have done 
more or differently leading up to the conference that other people can hear your voice and think, okay, let me, let me get hot doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, kind of to piggy, not to, to piggyback on what Meredith said, um, even beforehand getting the uh, company literature, just kind of have in mind, like some of the companies that have been shown previously, you know, those companies are coming. You might not know the specific positions, um, maybe start doing a little bit, not too much. Don't dig too deep. I wouldn't recommend into the research, but maybe see what big idea, what the companies, not the positions, what the companies are about like mission statement. How do you connect to those? Um, et cetera. And then once you get your company literature, I wish I would have, uh, treated each interview equally, um, because you don't know what job you're going to want after, right? You can look at all of the interviews you have set up, the locations. I recommend not making those a priority at all. Um, but going through all the companies you're interviewing with, I would pay equal attention to each interview because I never thought I was going to be a brand manager at Campbell's going into the conference. I didn't even think that was a possibility. Uh, so don't discount any position. Uh, treat every interview equally. Even if you have a couple favorites, it's natural to have those. Um, but I would recommend treating everyone equally because you might love the culture of a company you never thought you would work for. And you might not necessarily like the culture, the one that you uh, thought you were for sure going to nail. So treat each uh, inter interview equally because it really counts. You know, I, I feel like I want to like double down on everything you guys are saying, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to give it back to Jack. You're, you're all shaking your head. So can you, can you add to what he said? Like what, what, what's running through your mind as Ben is saying, you know, treat every interview as if it's your only interview. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's an exhausting process over the four days that you're going through this and everything. And it'd be easy to just check out of an interview. Um, but having a real, like being present in the moment in all these interviews is so key because it's, it's important. I think when I learned this as I was going along, it's, it's just, embracing the process of it all and going through all the steps and sure and ensuring that you're putting forth effort into every single opportunity because there were companies that like my number two if i didn't go to Eurofans was something i didn't even think was a possibility going into the conference um and so it was like you know it's it's very you don't really know anything at this point and it's really just important to come in with an open mindset and just continue to you know take in every single data point you can one of the things that I think it's hard, right? That, you know, this is why we do what we, what we're doing right now this minute. I think it's very hard for officers to essentially do what you just said, Jack, which is trust the process. Even if we have a relationship, even if you've known people that have gone through this program before, you know, this is your livelihood. This is your future. What if it doesn't work? There's so many what ifs. There's so much doubt that can creep in in terms of trusting the process. And I know you guys, you all three know me and we've worked all closely together. Um, but for those of you listening to my voice who haven't come to a conference, maybe you don't know me or no, no camera Brooks, or I don't know if they can, you can trust us. Meredith, why don't you weigh in on this? Okay. Someone who hasn't, wasn't in the program for all that long. We asked you to trust us significantly. Um, how do you get over the hump of like, ugh, you know, are these people really trying to help me or are they just trying to get me into a company, right? That's something I hear a lot. Like, uh, you're just trying to place a place an officer. Yeah, we're a business. Let's, let's be honest about it. We are a business, but if we were just pl trying to play an off place an officer, we wouldn't be around for as long as we have. Why don't you weigh in on that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, you're number one for a reason and, uh, it shows, uh, especially going through the SFL tap process or whatever process, whatever branch of service you, you're in and you're transitioning out, people say, be wary of recruiters, be wary of headhunters. Their intentions aren't always the best. And I had a very good friend who went through the Cameron Bridge program and he ended up at a great spot um, and is now in the location he wanted and has a wonderful opportunity. He's, he couldn't have said better things about Cameron Brooks. And I reached out to Desiree the next day and, you do trust the process, but there's there it's earned through the constant communication, the follow-ups. There was never there was no stone unturned with you all. I really felt like each member of your team knew who I was. And if it was the first time when Josie called me or Candy called me or Rob gave me a call, 
they had really done their homework on me before they called. Hey, Meredith, how's Zach doing? You, my, my husband, they knew his first name. They knew that we had, you know, two dogs at home where I was stationed, where I did. Um, they've they've done their dual due diligence on myself. So I feel like, oh wow, I really invest in them because they've invested so much time into me as a as an individual. And even though you're in this conference with 42 other people, I felt like I was the only one in the conference. And I'm not just saying that. I truly felt like I was there by myself because that's how much attention I got from the Huron Brooks team. It was it was second to none. I've never seen or done anything like it. It was the best experience I've ever had. Yes, it was stressful. I was exhausted by the end of it, but it was, I, I tell everybody, I went back to work and told everybody, you know, drop what you're doing, at least give them a call. Give them a call. And I submitted some names too. So. I that. <laughs> All right, Jack, I, I want to, I want each of you to ask this, answer this question. This will, we'll do two more and then we'll open it up for questions for the group. Um, so Jack, you went to Eurofins. You had options though. You didn't have to go to Eurofins. And so what criteria, and we've already started talking about this a little bit, so maybe we've already hit it, but I'd like to know what criteria, knowing you did, I assume Jack, well, hold on, let me ask you a question. Did you know what Eurofin Scientific is, was, did before you came to the conference? No. Okay, perfect. So what criteria did you use to make them number one and ultimately accept the offer? Yeah, so I definitely value being in the leadership position. And Eurofins had a clearly defined path for me to, to proceed to the point of running a PL, running a business, continuing to proceed through that. Being a developmental role is what they, we just talked about it in the program. Um, and on top of that, when I was with, talking to you about Eurofins, with a technical scientific background, I would, had the ability to stay within that field. And so that was something that was comfortable to me. And I felt like I, it gave me the advantage to proceed through this career in, in, a, in, a, in a strong and efficient manner. Uh, and then what, the final, the selling point was I did a, a follow-up interview in person with them and the culture fit was something that I couldn't even describe how amazing it was. Um, going out to dinner with them afterwards and all that kind of stuff was, it was something that it was just like, all right, well, this is, this is just where I'm going to, like, if the offer comes, I'm taking it immediately. I even sent them an email before they offered and told them what, what, what was, what my plan was because I was just so invested in wanting to do it. I know you said I can't describe it, but I'm going to get you try to. I'm going to try to get you to describe it. <laughs> yeah. um, culture. It's a. It's nebulous. It's soft. It's sometimes undescribable. Well, you, you know, it's not undescribable. It's just or indescribable. It's just indescribable broadly because everyone values different things about a company. So it's so unique to the individual. And so for you, can you give us a little bit more? I mean, you, I know you were feeling it and maybe that's it. It was just a feeling. I don't know. But can you tell us more about this idea of culture for you? Yeah. So there was definitely a feeling of camaraderie within the people that were in the organization. Uh, they knew each other and they, and they were telling jokes at dinner and like they were friends. And that's really a cool thing to be a part of. Um, in my initial interview, there was kind of, they had skipped a lot of the questions that you normally did in an interview. Tell me about yourself. Where are you from? Where are you, like all that kind of stuff. And they just went to ask, learning about me as a person. Um, and from there, we really got to more of a deeper conversation. And that carried on through the follow-up interview process and everything through, like all the way through the, the conference. Um, and so from there, I just felt like it was like, that's kind of the way I like to operate. And so being a part of that organization was a really cool opportunity. Gotcha. Perfect. Thank you. Okay, Ben, I'll, over to you. So you chose Campbell's. Like you said, you 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 wouldn't have chosen them just off the street or something like that. So, what were some of the criteria that you used to ultimately say yes to them? Yeah, so I was a little different than Jack in a sense of I had a really hard time deciding between two great companies. Uh, <laughs> Meredith, no, we met, um, but. Um, Ultimately, it was it was a decision that was really tough. Um, I had to weigh the pros and cons. I would say location wasn't really a huge factor, but when you have two really good options, it's kind of something you get to play with. Um, so that was important, especially for family and what family's going to do. Obviously, uh, you need to do what you need to do first. Um, and then just both cultures were amazing. Um, it was neck and neck. I'm being honest. It was the hardest decision of my life. Um, right. 
and ultimately it was just feel. Honestly, um, I can't really explain a tangible reason. Um, but at the end of the day, Cameron Brooks does provide you with the opportunity to have multiple offers, multiple options. Um, and then it's a good problem to have uh, to weigh those. It, it's It actually is a very tough decision to make, but a very good problem to have. I don't know if that answered it. It does, you know, and I think I'm going to, if ever I retire, I may not ever retire, but if I ever do, I think I'm going to write a book. It's a good problem to have because that phrase is is ubiquitous in the follow-up interview process. And it is a good problem to have. And I think people can get a little wrapped up. Well, ooh, what if I make a bad choice? I mean, like for you at work and there's a location component, I know you're a hockey player and you're moving up to where hockey is more prevalent. So, you know, I'm not saying you chose for hockey, but like you said, there's so many other factors. And in regards of what company you went to, it was going to be right and it was going to be good. So good for you. Okay, Meredith, same question. Because I just think that this question is one that that people need to understand and hear because, we again, we talk so much about team leadership or sales or whatever, and it's like no one makes a decision on that ultimately. So tell us about some of your the criteria you use to make a decision. Sure, absolutely. I was in between three offers, and it, it was very overwhelmed. I was stuck in one of the airports when the meltdown happened last week, and I called, I had Chuck, he called me, I said, Chuck, I'm, 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 it's a great problem to have. Just like Ben said, it's a great problem to have, but this is a really tough decision. And they were all on separate locations. One in Juneau Beach, Florida, one in Minneapolis, Minnesota, you know, two completely different conditions. Location wasn't even a factor at that point. It was just, they've all seemed so well-rounded in their organization, their principles, their values. When you, when I went to both in, um, in-person site visits, you walk in the door, everyone's genuinely happy. And I'm not just talking about people in executive uh, level leadership positions. The janitors, the guy sweeping the floor was happy. He and I had a 10 minute long conversation about how hot it was in Minnesota that day, which was rare for that time of year. It, it was phenomenal. Ultimately, I went with Nextera. I, I felt like, okay, I had, took some time. I took 24 hours to really think about all three. And I said, I could not stop smiling when I walked in Nextera. I really connected with everyone in there. I found I found myself relating to every single person I interacted with, whether it was on the energy resource side or the Florida Power and Light side. It was the hardest decision I've had to make, but next year I really felt committed to them. And as soon as I walked through the door, I said, wow, I can see myself here. This is phenomenal. But also to Ben's point, I had to treat every follow-up interview fairly and equally. I didn't want to just jump on one and not give the other ones a shot. So I narrowed it down to my top three and ultimately I, I chose next year, but it was not easy. And and I think anywhere I would have gone would have been just great. Yeah, yeah. So my next question is about the follow-up interview process, but Meredith, I'm going to stay with you because of a comment you made and this will introduce it to, to the group. So the follow-up interview process is not something we spent a lot of time talking about before COVID. So this was January, the January 2020 conference and prior to every conference before that, the follow-up interview was always, always, always on a plane, getting on a plane, going out to wherever. Now there's a little bit of a hybrid situation. Um, so so maybe Jack or Ben, you can tell us a little bit more about that. But really what I would like to zoom in here, Meredith, with you, you said you were in an airport talking to Chuck. Now, for those who don't know, that's Chuck Alvarez, our CEO. Um, and most of the time, Chuck will do a strat- what we call a strategy call with an officer when they're in their, um, you know, in their, in their decision mode, right? When they're getting close to making a decision. Tell us about your conversation or multiple conversations with Chuck, because sometimes I feel like people think like Chuck's going to try to get you to do something. And the fur that nothing could be further from the truth. Like I hear him say like, it's a free country. He says that phrase all the time. It's a free country. So what was your conversation like? with Chuck when you're trying to figure out what's next? It, it was funny because I, I can be a bit um, energetic and expressive. So I said, Chuck, like, what what should I do? He's like, well, I don't know what you should do. I, I need you to tell me what you want. And the key thing here was that you don't have to be at 99% for one company. You just need to be, if you're juggling between two, at, what's your 51%? And we talked about it. We kept talking about that point. What's your 51%? Is it location? Is it salary? 
Is it um, work life? You know, work life balance, which is a term I don't really like to use because I never think you really have that. It's about where priorities are at that time and how you can effectively um, work that in as it comes to you. Um, there were so many different factors that I had to consider. You know, what was attractive to renewable energy about me versus a medical device company? Ultimately, I don't know. It will go down the list. And, and there were those few things done, and I got to my fifty-one percent for every single option. And, and it was, it was a, it was. He called me down. I was able to think clearly about the process, okay. and I, he gave me twenty-four hours again, and we talked the next day, and that was really it. The decision was made from there. I, I knew what I wanted to do. I just needed his guidance to help me get there. And he even said, "Look, I'm not gaining anything out of this. I genuinely think that you're leaning towards this. I'm helping you see that. That's all this is. It was just helping me see the bigger picture." Now he's good at that. He's he's good. And sometimes, you know, when he's presenting options, he, he presents the option, you know, option three, don't take any of them. Go, you know, maybe neither of them are right for you. So I just, I don't think I've ever talked about that in this forum. And I think it's important to know because you do have someone who has 28 years of experience of helping military officers make this decision who can really help you in that. Okay, Jack, what about you? Let's talk a little bit about your follow-up interview process. Any surprises? You know, what was it like? Kind of give us just, you know, let it give us a peek behind the curtain, if you will, about your process. Yeah. So the follow-up interview process for me was I had a few of them in virtual to start. Um, so I was kind of back into the the conference environment where that I had been in the week before um, going through. And the preparation is, is different to that because you want to come up with more in-depth questions. You want to have a deeper discussion with all these people because you've already either met them or met someone on their team before. And so there's kind of a, it's more of a, you want to need to do a little more homework, come with a little more depth, kind of relate to the conversation you had and have a plan for how you want to take the conversation going forward. Um, and so those I thought were, were great. I mean, you know, I ended up choosing the in-person company. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Um, but once I got to that point, I had a very similar experience to Meredith. I was sitting in O'Hare in Chicago. And I had two different kind of career fields I could look at, one being a more engineering technical thing, and then one being more of a prof profit and loss running company kind of career path. Um, and so he kind of helped clarify that those two situations. And from there, it made the decision a lot easier. I think by the time I got off the plane in San Antonio, I had, I had made my decision. Yeah, that's great. All right, cool. Thank you. And then Ben, how about you? Your follow-up interview process, anything Anything different? I know you. I know it's hard going third in this group, <laughs> but uh, any you want to weigh in on that? What was your process like? Yeah, I'll I'll be quick so they can ask questions. But I actually kind of have a crazy story about Meredith and I actually. So we went to the next era one together, and our plane was delayed. And this is just speaks to like as she said, like you're not alone. It's Cameron Brooks. Like we had, I think seven folks go out there. Um, we were all getting along. Um, our flight got delayed from Florida because the weather was terrible that day. And we both got phone calls at the same time and looked at each other after the follow-up interviews. And then we celebrated. Uh, but from the follow-up perspective, um, I think I had two vastly different experiences. Um, for for one of them, I, was, I walked in. You interviewed eight times in one day. Um, a little overwhelming when you know you're going to interview eight times in one day with eight different executive level folks at two different companies under the same umbrella company. Uh, but then once you get into that rhythm again, you don't have your notes. They're just talking to people, talking to your experience. Um, there's more natural flow of conversation. Um, so nothing to really stress about, to be honest. Um, they're not making you get on like an Excel sheet, crank out like your, your skills on Excel or anything. Uh, the other one, to Jack's point, was was just a, a virtual, um, a follow up virtual. And as he said, you 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 know the company now, so you can do a little bit more research and dig into the details on that. Ask. I will reiterate this, and I know people um, make your questions unique and interesting because it's a two way street. Um, they want to feel like they're valued as well. So when you ask very specific questions, not only about the position, but about, let's say, their values, what they're all about, uh, most of the time you'll have an HR person involved as well. They really care about that stuff, and that will go a long way. Um, but yeah, there are very vastly, as Pete mentioned, uh, follow-up interviews. It could be in-person, 
for a full day a dinner or it could just be another uh almost like a conference interview more in depth I am going to make one distinction in what Ben just said. When he's talking about asking about values and stuff, he's talking about the follow-up interview process, questions about the position in the conference, everything else in the follow-up interview process. Yeah. Including the position. <laughs> okay. Yes. Sorry about that. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. Okay. So uh, here we go. Let's, uh, if, if you guys have any questions, you can start typing them in. I'm going to read the questions that did come up. We may have um, hit them already, but let me, let me read them as they're uh, presented and I'll throw them to you, to you guys. So, What's a delta between pursuit rate and offer? Seems to be seven to one. CB advertises multiple offers, which will allow you to make the best choice. I think we answered that question just through through the way the process works. And, you know, I would say it kind of depends on the economy, but I would say, you know, the pursuit rates in the seven-ish range, you know, people do anywhere between two and five follow-up interview process interviews. And I would say eh, two to three offers, but it just kind of depends on the on this scenario. Okay. Jeremy asked Ben, with your discharge date being a month out, how was your experience working with Campbell on a start date? Yeah, that's a good question. What about, what about how'd you work out your start date, Ben? Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, they're vi- one, I will say a lot of these companies have been to the conference before some haven't. They're very flexible, um, with the timeline. Um, you discuss with them what your what your schedule looks like, what you need to do. Um, they're giving you an offer for a reason. They'll usually discuss um, start dates after you accept offers. Um, so once you're in that stage, um, it gets a little bit easier to to have those discussions. Um, it's not like the military where they say, report no later than 6 July. It's, uh, it's very flexible and fluid. So just work with them and and be understanding. And usually what we do for those coming to a conference is we'll put, you know, when we're working through this with you, we'll put an availability date on your resume, typically depending on your situation, but it's almost always after your terminal leave start. And it's not before, but it's sometimes on, but that's pretty rare. Usually a few weeks after you start terminal leave and you ultimately end up starting work a few weeks, even after what you put on your availability date. So like Ben said, it, it, it's a very um, collaborative process with the company. Once you say yes, like they say yes to you and you say yes to them, now it's just a matter of working out a few details. And so um, it's not going to be too big of a deal. Um, it's it's very much as Ben said. All right, let me ask the next question. And Meredith, I'll throw this one at you. This is from Brendan. First of all, he congratulates all three of you. So I appreciate that. I like the way the question you know, the way he's coming at the question, what kind of preparation, if any, are you doing now before you actually start your job? I remember in my own case, I didn't do a lick of prep. I just like showed up and that, well, and that was what they told me to do. So I was like, okay, no problem. Um, are, are you being asked to do anything? Um, hey, uh, great question, Brennan. Thank you, Pete. Um, no, I am not. Something I'm doing my own, though, is working with the Onward to Opportunity Program. I'm currently pursuing my project management professional official certification. So that's something I'm doing my own time. Renewable energy has a lot of acronyms, just like the military does. So I think just kind of washing away some of that military jargon and incorporating some of that renewable energy, clean energy jargon back into my vocabulary is something that I'm trying to get ahead of. Um, ultimately, they undertake you through a training process. They're not just going to throw me to the wolves. I'll be shadowing uh, multiple facets of the job. I'll be undergoing those uh, extraneous training program with them for about four months before I actually get put out on my own to start um, handling different sorts of projects. So I hope that answers the question for you, but that's basically what the, I work with next year on. Yeah, that was my experiences too. They were like, don't worry, we're going to train you. It's going to be fine. But what about you, Jack? And then Ben, is Eurofins asking you to do anything? And then Ben afterwards, is Campbell asking you to do anything? Uh, I actually asked them yesterday if there was anything I can be doing, and they told me not to do anything, just enjoy my time. So um, I I think that I focus solely right now on selling my house here and buying one in Madison. That's really the the extent of all my efforts. Good, Good deal. And how about you, Ben? Yeah, very similar to Jack. Um, they haven't told me to do anything. Um, I think they're more focused on us getting settled and getting located in the right place. And that's another thing that they a lot of companies help out with too, relocating. Mm. So keep that in mind. But yeah, again, I'm 
Meredith's doing it on her own, which is awesome. And Jack's enjoying his time, and I'm going to do the same because uh, the grind's going to hit. It's a different one, but they're they're very flexible. At least Campbell's is. And they're just ready for us to start. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so another question, and I'll just leave it open to the group. Did anyone struggle to connect their accomplishments to the position? And maybe another way to think about it is, you know, were did you interview for a position where it didn't, you know, your experience didn't quite match up with what they were looking for? Listen, if you're in the interview, you're qualified. It's our responsibility to make sure that you, if you're in the interview, you are most certainly qualified. But did anyone feel like my accomplishments don't really don't really match up? I can, I'll take this one. Uh, just because I was thrown into some some marketing positions and I remember think, looking at it saying, oh my goodness, what in the world? Like, I'm not, I obviously I don't have the skills. Maybe they made a mistake, but no. That, that couldn't be further from the truth. You do have the skills and the accomplishments to, that are relevant to the position. If you're finding yourself struggling to, to relate that, get with your advisors. They'll break that down for you, which is exactly is what, what Rob, Joel, and Pete did for me, as well as when you go to your your uh, informative briefings about each individual company, they're going to bring it back to you. Jeff writes to make the triangle and they'll always bring it back to you how it relates to you and the skill set that you have. Um, do your due diligence as well. When you get your interview sheet, I wouldn't, don't spend all night on it, maybe 20 minutes. It's, look around the website. What are some things that stick out to you? It's, oh, I can relate to that. You know, that's a household name. I'm familiar with this product. I'm familiar with these array of things. And you'll find a way to relate back to There's always something that you, you're able to find that you've accomplished it relates to the job description itself uh, i i did circle with that with something i called rob and said oh my goodness you know i, I think you guys made a mistake it's like just relax we're gonna work through this it's gonna be just fine i can hear rob saying that all right so there's a the, aaron markey asked a similar question that i'm going to throw at jack because he's kind of say asking the same question you know did you feel a difficulty in connecting to company position in the research which is kind of what meredith just said and what we do for you before the conference in terms of briefings and what what whatnot, but getting in there and and feeling like eh, I'm not so sure, and then you get into the interview and like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I kind of got this. So you want to weigh in on that a little, Jack? Yeah. So I mean, I think in, with any communication, it, it's all based on the receiver of the communication. You're talking to somebody. That's the best way to when you find the way to relate to them. That's the best way to communicate with them. Um, but going into each of these interviews, I definitely had a a strategy that I went through with. And I think one of the questions on there is what you do in between the, the interviews. I would jump into the coaching room with Pete or Joel or, or Rob and talk through my strategy for this interview, like how I wanted to connect with them, what things I wanted to bring, to t- bring show that I bring to the table for them, and then kind of reshape that. And it takes five, 10 minutes for every interview. And it's just a nice little reset and then keeps me moving forward. Let me just double down on that, you guys. I think that is a resource that people don't use, but I'm telling you, like Joel has 24 years of experience, Rob has 12, I have 10. There is so much experience where we just know and can help you make some serious connections. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I doubt, Jack, that any of us like completely blew your mind, but, but I suspect that there's just some like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Or, oh, good. That's what I was thinking. Gives me a little bit more confidence. So, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, please, for the group. Don't even if it hesitate. Change. Yeah, even if it doesn't change anything, you yeah. just said it once. And so you've said it and it feels better. So. Excellent. What about you, Ben? What did you do bef- between interviews? I'm sure you did some of that. Did you ever go for a run, walk your dog? You know, I don't know. What'd you do? Um, yeah, I, uh, I would uh, just kind of, this sounds really weird, but I just kind of pace outside. People yeah. thought I was probably crazy, um, but just to get my mind off of things for even if it's five minutes, um, unfortunately, it's sometimes, again, good problem to have. If you have a lot of interviews on one day, you might not have that flexibility, but um, as Jack kind of alluded to, I would really map out my interview schedule and know when I have those times to kind of take a deep breath um, and definitely use that coaching room because I almost used it as a venting room. It'd be like, how did it go? And you're like, well, I don't think it went well. I don't know. And then you kind of talk through it and it almost gives you a little bit of confidence. Um, I think the, uh, the team does a great job of of really helping you through it. And like, even if you don't have a good interview, um, 
take that time that you have between interviews, take your mind off of things. Even again, even, even if it's for five minutes, come back, refreshed, reset. Um, cause you're not going to have perfect interviews across the board. I'll tell you that right. It's, it's ebbs and flows. Hey, you guys, um, thank you so much. Congratulations to you three. This was a wonderful session. We got, we, I feel like we broke some new ground here tonight. Uh, of course we do these all the time. So, you know, they, you definitely see some themes from one meeting to another, most certainly, but I think this group and this conversation, we, we got to some places we haven't gotten to before. So thank you so much. Good luck on uh, on what's next. Of course, you know you're you're always welcome to call me directly if ever I can be of assistance. But uh, uh, good luck to the group. For those of the of you who are on the call and uh, or listening to the recording, for that matter, looking forward to helping you guys do the exact same thing. So use us as a resource. Get into those study groups. Really focus in on the prep, and uh, we'll talk to everyone real soon. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for uh, tuning into this podcast. I, I hope that you uh, receive value from what Ben and Meredith and Jack had to say about their experiences. And hopefully you can apply some of their lessons learned as well as some of their best practices to your preparation as you're looking forward to making the move to corporate America and a career conference. I'm excited to tell you about the next episode. The next episode that will release in two weeks features a military officer who is still in the program, an officer who plans to attend a conference roughly five weeks from now. And uh, and Joel interviews him and uh, gains some perspective and insight from officers who aren't quite at the conference yet. It's a, it's a, it's a new type of episode for us. We've never featured anyone who hasn't already been to a conference. So I think a lot of what he'll bring to the table, a lot of what he'll say will be helpful to you in your process. And we'll essentially watch this uh, military officer as he comes to the conference and through the conference. And so it'll be a great time as we watch him matriculate through the process. Of course, if you want to know more about Cameron Brooks, if you're new to the podcast or new to, to the transition, I'd encourage you to check us out on our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. You can also find loads of information on our YouTube channel and our LinkedIn page. So I appreciate you doing that. Uh, until next time, make it a great day.